Father, we do thank you for your blessings to us in Christ Jesus. Uh, Even as we come this first day of the week, this day of the new creation, Lord, we pray that you would water our thirsty souls. Uh, Do so in the Sunday school and as we worship you together. In Christ's name, amen. So... If you are staying in here, we are closing Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. We've been studying this for quite some time. And in this final chapter, he calls us to bear the image of Christ. So someone uh, read for us Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 30, please. Romans eight twenty six to Now, verse 28 may be the most taken out of context verse in the Bible. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard someone tell me all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And it's meant as an encouragement uh, in my walk in life. In actuality, it's a very sobering thought because... What is good, even as we pray, God remove the circumstance from me, the Spirit intercedes as we should be praying. And God works even cancer, death, horror, pain, suffering, to good. And the connection between the Christian hope and the Christian life is this identity with Jesus Christ into which we are saved. Bonhoeffer says the Christian is being conformed. Not should be conformed. (laughs) Not aspires to be conformed. But the fact is, if you are united to Jesus Christ, he is going to be working every single thing. The pain, the sorrow, the hurt. He's going to be working all of it to conform us to Jesus Christ. But it requires on our part a complete giving of ourselves to him. He says that image that has the power to transform our lives 
if we surrender ourselves utterly to him, we cannot help bearing his image ourselves. We become the sons of God. We stand side by side with Christ, our unseen brother, bearing like him the image of God. And that's our reality that we are saved into. It's a costly reality. That's been the whole point of the book. Discipleship will cost you everything. And specifically then, Bonhoeffer now draws all of this together because where is the body of Christ? Where is Christ seen in flesh today? In his church, the body of Christ. So what was the enfleshed Christ's ministry? It was one of taking on suffering. It was one of taking on rejection. It was one of healing. Christ's enfleshed ministry was one from birth to death of identity with suffering, with sin, and with judgment. And now in his resurrection his crucifixion, burial, resurrection, we are identified with him in his glory. And because we're identified with him in his glory, then the church, where Christ is enfleshed, should be participating with him both in his sufferings and in his glory. Now, as you know, if you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this led to him giving his life to get rid of Adolf Hitler. Uh, he, was, he was one of the last executions in the prison. Uh, they wanted to make absolutely sure that Bonhoeffer was executed uh, before the Allies took over. And this was his role, as he saw it, in engaging and entering into the sufferings of Christ. And, but to get to the image of God, and this is, uh, I don't know if I'll... I may do a one-off on this uh, next Sunday. The image of God is a, is, a, is a real difficulty for theologians. What is the image of God? Uh, the New Testament refers to the image of God as, as knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Uh, and so how do, we, how do we put handles on that? What is the very image of God? But Bonhoeffer says the image of God is a mystery. Man is a creature yet is destined to become like his creator. The created man is destined to bear the image of the uncreated God. That's a mystery. How does a created thing bear the image of the uncreated? It's a, it's a paradox from the very beginning. And so what happens in the fall is that Adam is faced... The serpent enters in, and what does he say? You'll be as God, knowing good and evil. Adam is faced with a decision of autonomy. He makes himself a God. He decides for himself what his actions will be and what is the right ethic. He decides for himself what he will do. And in making himself a God, he forfeits his relationship with the true God. Adam rules in solitude as a creature God in a God-forsaken world. Since that day, this is Bonhoeffer, since that day, the sons of Adam, in their pride, 
had striven to recover the divine image by their own efforts. And I find that not only ironic, that, of course, what's the context of this entire book? <laughs> Bonhoeffer, had, this is prior to Hitler and the, the storming of the Reichstag, but it is after Hitler has been declared prime minister. So it's in that two or three year period that he publishes, he does this work, and goes to New York, the, the, the whole mess breaks out, Nazi Germany stuff, and he decides he cannot be free in New York. He has to go back to Germany in order to identify with the suffering there in, in Germany. And so what Bonhoeffer is, is pointing to is that Hitler himself is this creature god in his own pride, trying to create what only can be found in submission to the true God. This is the sin of Adam. And I find it very contemporary because (laughs) what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, both sides are absolutely convinced they're on the sides of righteousness. What's going on in the Middle East, both sides are convinced they're on the sides of righteousness. What's going on? In Armenia and Azerbaijan, both sides are convinced they're on the sides of righteousness. What's going on in Sudan? Both sides are convinced they're on the sides of righteousness. We come in with our ideas and we create disaster. We create brokenness and pain. And that's what this autonomy... Bonhoeffer is going all the way back to the very beginning, to where this all began. Their misshapen form, he says modeled after the God they have invented for themselves, grows more and more like the image of Satan, though they are unaware of it. And ironically, we're going to see that in in the passage this morning. Leviticus 18 is a very difficult passage. It's a difficult passage to read. But this is all part of the grotesqueness that the human heart is incapable of taking itself to. So what's the answer to this mess? What's the answer to this problem? Since man cannot bear the image of God, then God must bear the image of man. Since man cannot, can no longer bear the image of God. Man has set himself up as his own God. This is after the fall. (laughs) Adam has rejected God. He has decided, I am the creature God over the broken creation. In a godless world, Adam comes in and there, he, he has set himself up as God, broken off that relationship with God. And now, God is pleased to restore that relationship by himself taking on man's image. And that's what the incarnation is. Jesus Christ is God enfleshed. He, he has taken on man's image. His purpose is to recreate his image in man. That's what the purpose of the gospel is. That's what the purpose of the Christian life is. Is the recreation of God's image in man to recover the delight that he has in his original handiwork. He was delighted to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He was delighted to fellowship and commune with them in the garden. But now in order to delight again in that communion, he must change us. 
When a man is good, righteous, and walking in God's path, he not only delights in God, but God delights in him. Bonhoeffer says it's not enough. Just lost my place. It's not enough for man simply to recover right ideas about God or to obey his will in isolated actions of life. This is what so many people, Christianity is not an ethic. Christianity is not doing the right things, not doing the wrong things. Christianity is living in communion with the risen Christ. That is what the Christian life is. And and I was thinking over this this morning, and I was listening to some Christmas hymns, uh, instrumentals, and the... Google thing in our in our house. And I don't even remember the name of the hymn, but the line that caught my ear was, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Hark the herald angels sing. Thank you. I knew somebody would know it. <laughs> Hark the herald angels sing. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know, Now, that flesh itself is veiled. We do not see the risen Christ. So the flesh is itself veiled. But beloved, it's no more, it's no less flesh, (laughs) even though it may be somewhat unveiled today, than it was the Godhead when it was veiled in flesh. When, 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 the Godhead was unveiled in flesh. People didn't see it. They rejected it, many. But some saw it, and it changed their lives, and it ultimately changed the world. Now, the flesh is unveiled. But it's no less the Christ. It is no less the risen Christ, and we see him in his church. Since fallen man cannot discover and assume the image of God, God must take the form of man, enter into man's existence, and restore him. Bonhoeffer says, God sends his son. Here lies the only remedy. It is not enough to give man a new philosophy or a better religion. A man comes to men. <laughs> and, and so, that's one of the things I really appreciate about Bonhoeffer, and if uh, I... I there's a, there's a whole strain of that theology that he's a part of, and I have a great deal of respect for much of it. I do try to recognize there are some fatal flaws to it. But what I appreciate about Bonhoeffer and many of his colleagues is Christianity is not a list of rules. Christianity is not the outward. It is the engagement with the risen Christ, with Jesus Christ, who is just as truly seated at God's right hand as he ever did walk on water, who is just as truly interceding for you and for me. And the better vision we get of that and of our walking in that, the better we do here And that is what the image of Christ is. That's what we are being recreated to. Christ's image is the image of one who enters into a world of sin and death, takes upon himself all mankind's sorrow, 
bears wrath and judgment of God and obeys his will in poverty, suffering, and death. If we would bear the image of his glory, we must first bear the image of his shame. There is no other way to recover the image lost through the fall. And that's the cost of discipleship. (laughs) If you would share in his glories, you must share in his sufferings. And that is his own call to his disciples. And as you know, historically, this drives Bonhoeffer's own actions. But one thing that Bonhoeffer draws our attention to is the link from baptism to martyrdom. And the New Testament speaks of the martyrs, the, the, the ones who, who cry out before the throne, crying for the vengeance of God. How long, O oh Lord? The blood of the martyrs uh, cries out to God. And, and the church has historically recognized that. The church has historically recognized that this calling to give one's life specifically for one's faith, is one of the highest honors of the church. It's what's driven all kinds of men and women over the centuries to the gallows or the scaffold or the pyre. Uh, this, This idea that even unto death, we remain faithful. Even unto death to this Jesus Christ. You think of Polycarp, uh, when when he's told... uh, Curse, uh, curse the idols, or, or curse, or say hail, hail Caesar, or whatever. Anyway, his his thing. I'm sorry, I forgot, forgot what the challenge was. But his response was, eighty and seven years I've served him, and he has done me no wrong. How shall I ever betray my Lord now? And he was burned at the stake. This begins, beloved, in baptism. It's a fruit that is born of the image of Christ. And it's not going to lead all of us to martyrdom. It may lead some, it will lead some. But it's the image that is born in us in the connection between baptism and the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Paul refers to in Romans 6. The image of Christ on earth is one of suffering and death. Baptism unites us to both the resurrection and the death of Christ. Bonover says, A few, but only a blessed few, of his followers are counted worthy of the closest fellowship with his sufferings, the blessed martyrs. No other Christian is so closely identified with the form of Christ crucified. But throughout the Christian life, from baptism to martyrdom, it is the same suffering, and the same death. From baptism to martyrdom, it is the same suffering and the same death. In other words, it's a death to ourselves. It's a focus exclusively on Jesus Christ. For Bonhoeffer, that focus on Christ led him down the path that he went. But it was no less a focus on the risen Jesus Christ and upon his word. 
And that is the seriousness of the call to holiness. Uh, again, we're going through Leviticus, and we're seeing not only the leprosy, but we're seeing the atonement and the healing. But recognizing what this is, that the Christian life is, is what is going to create in us disciples of Jesus Christ, and God is going to create in us creatures after his image. So with that, I'm actually done with this book. Uh, we're going to do probably a one-off. Uh, I think Michael Robley may be doing a, a one-off Sunday school uh, next time, and then I believe Jeremy Cologne uh, is going to... And do we have the series... So going through Michael Morales' uh, very excellent, very readable book, uh, Exodus Old and New. Uh, I think I have two copies because I misplaced one and I liked it so much I bought another one. So <laughs> if you uh, need one, I may have an extra one. But uh, any questions, thoughts, comments before we put Mr. Bonehofer back on our shelves? So it's specifically verse 29. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So to be conformed unto the image of the son, Jesus Christ, in order that Jesus Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren is, is kind of what he's... Uh, striving at? What does that look like? What does it mean to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? And it's specifically in the suffering and in the, in the, in the testimony that we bear. So that's what he's driving to. So I guess what I would say, I think what he's driving to is not some glorious, grand manifestation of our devotion to Jesus Christ. What he's driving us to is a quiet and personal commitment to Jesus Christ that drives everything else we do. Uh, and, and being aware that we are in Him. We are united to Him. Uh, we, are, we are being conformed unto His image, and the more that we look at Him, the more that we gaze at Him, the more we walk in His ways, that risen, enfleshed Jesus Christ the more beautiful. So, so yeah, here was a thought I had since I got a minute. <laughs> I, was, I was annoying my wife with all my profound thoughts on the drive to church this morning. Here, here was a thought I had. You know, I can only show you the Jesus that I see. If, if my Jesus is judgmental, stern, a Jesus of rules and regulations, that's the Jesus I'll show you. If my Jesus is merciful and compassionate and gracious and loving, that's the Jesus I'll show you. 
And the difference between me showing you the one Jesus or the other Jesus is me. It's me. Has he shown compassion and mercy and grace and love and forgiveness and and healing to me? If he has and I dwell in his face, I dwell in his presence, I meditate on him, then not only I will walk in his ways, I will be conformed unto his ways. God will use all events in my life to do what is good. That's right. Exactly. If, if we abide in him, he abides in us. And, and there is a mystery in that. There's a, there's a, I, I was telling somebody else <laughs> in a previous counseling uh, session earlier this week, I said, you know, the older I get, the more Pentecostal I become. (laughs) He works in us that which is good, to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And he produces that fruit in us. And and as we dwell in him, as we dwell on his face, the, the Jesus that we show to others is the Jesus that we know. Uh, and, and I think that's where Bonhoeffer is trying to help us, uh, to, to center. Uh, the Jesus that, that, that you see is the Jesus you reflect. But with that, I have pretty much hit the end of the, but good thoughts. I appreciate those. Uh, but let me go ahead and uh, close this, uh, with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you that you have seen fit to reach out to not only people who aren't worthy, but people who are your very enemies, at war with you, seeking to be our own gods over our own creation. And you, in your mercy, sent your Son, who took on flesh to dwell amongst us, And now, as he is risen and seated at your right hand and ruling and reigning in his church, we pray that you would help us to be faithful in our small parts. In Christ's name, amen.